Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in and Merry Christmas, Cougar fans. Excited to be here with you today on this Saturday before Christmas. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. It's Cougar Sports Saturday every week, noon to three, here on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. So much to unpack. It's timely, Matt. Is how people are going to be hopefully unpacking a lot of <laughs> gifts and un- unwrapping things and enjoying their holiday season. But we appreciate you being with us. BYU football talk, BYU basketball talk. It's going to be a fun show. Going to be a great show. And unlike other syndicated shows, we're going live. We're bringing you new content <laughs> during the holidays. None of this rerun stuff. We're bringing you the goods. Because, look, in the, in today's sports, Mitch, especially football, there's a lot of happening this time of year. It's not like college football of yesteryear where we're sitting on the couch, we're eating, I don't know, what would you eat during bowl season of, of yesteryear? A pizza? Wings? I, I feel like it was pizza. It was, probably, probably, a, it was probably a little Caesars. Ain't nothing uh, wrong with that. Hot they're, ready. Dude, their stuff crust with the uh, crazy bread seasoning on the rim, Ooh. highly recommend. Anyways. Just uh, talking food during the holidays. <laughs> I don't know why, but food in the holidays. We were at BYU basketball practice earlier in the week on Thursday, and we're just slamming crumble cookies and just enjoying it. It's like, just it tastes better in the holidays. Let's just keep eating. It does. <laughs> I'm not starting any diets or any changes to my lifestyle until January 2. The holidays is a lot about the food. That's right. But, you know, we digress. We could talk food for uh, for a long time. And just to tease, our lead interview, our, our top interview today, Kalani Satake, I get into quite a bit of food talk with him, his in-home visits. The man was enjoying himself some food this this uh, this month. So signing day, a lot to get to today's show. Yeah, we'll we'll have Kalani in a little bit and interviews with many of the new football players. But Mitch, let's start things off with breaking down that early signing day. The lead off. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the lead off on Cougar Sports Saturday. All right, Mitch, you're the recruiting guru. You were. You come out of the womb interested in recruiting. What do you make of this early signing day period for BYU football? I thought this was a really good class for BYU. And I think it's the one where there might be enough here, Matt, to to feel like you can rewrite a little bit of the the optimism and the potential of this team in 2024, especially on the defensive side. Uh, the effort that was placed on that defensive side with the defensive line, it was significant. These additions... I just feel like you are going to see improved success on the pass rush because you've got so many options. You know, in years past, you think to when they signed Isaiah Moa or you go back farther back, Troy Hines back in the day. It was like one guy, he's got to save the, the pass rush. One guy's got to do it. This class, you can point to seven, eight guys that can generate a pass rush. You're bound to hit on one or two, I would think. Not all of them are going to be bust, I would think. So uh, there's a lot more options. And Jay Hill, Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, Gerald Guilford, they were outstanding in, in closing. And it was a strong finish. You'd look at the recruiting rankings and say, well, it's still only 60th. It's still only 10th best in the Big 12. But it's a bump and a step in the right direction for from where BYU was. And I think that this is going to be 
a pretty good recruiting class for BYU. You noted on the defensive line, and that was uh, an obvious takeaway, just how many options there are. I love that. For me, the biggest takeaway was they made an emphasis on in-state recruiting, and I think that's going to pay off down the road because that's not something that you can just do once or twice and expect it to carry over. But you have to continually stack it up. And I like the emphasis they put on that because the state, man, the state's been producing quality football talent for a long time. When you and I graduated back in the mid-2000s, it wasn't a recruiting hotbed. Look, I graduated with Preston Hadley. He got no recruiting options out of high school. I, I, I mean, I was friends with the guy in high school at Pleasant Grove. and No one was coming by Pleasant Grove High School when I was there. And they've been putting guys into, into the college ranks. And they're that, the story at Pleasant Grove is similar to, I think, a lot of high school. Springville, that had an, an emphasis on this recruiting class for BYU. There's quality talent, and I love that this group put an emphasis on it because there were some, there were some battles, man. There were some battles with Utah. There were battles with other teams. And for BYU to have won a lot of those battles, I think is something that you can build upon. Because in my eyes, Mitch, you, you touched on this as well, you know, 10th in the Big 12, middle of the pack, not going to rewrite the record book, sure, whatever. But if you can continue to put an emphasis on this to where you're getting, I don't know, five, six top 10 in-state guys a year, that is going to build up over time and help out with the recruiting ranking. So I'm with you, love the defensive emphasis, but I also love the in-state emphasis because there were too many guys in the past that had BOU connections that were going out of state or going right up I-15 to that other school. This particular class, a lot of guys staying here at BYU. I think that's big now and down the road. And I think it shows the potential of this defensive staff and offensive staff, what they can do collectively with the Big 12 arming them. You think about Jay Hill. He really, this recruiting cycle, there's probably, I know it was a full calendar year, but how much the recruiting calendar has moved up he really had about six months to work with because the early signing period has moved everything up to where the summertime is the key focus of what you're going to form on signing day, what happened earlier this week. And you know, to do what Jay Hill did and this defensive staff was pretty remarkable. And some of the names that, that really popped for, for this defensive side of the class, Therian Alexander, the, the third cornerback, six foot two, 165 pounds. Kelly Papinga, last December when he was hired, said he wanted to make the state of Georgia a top priority in recruiting. And you, think, you hear that and you go, this is BYU, they're going into the Peach State. Well, I think he, he understood that that is a state that's becoming a huge recruiting hotbed. Atlanta is massive. There's tons of, uh, of football talent. And in the West, we're seeing more of a shift to where schools are making like – California is still going to be a thing, but the, the participation numbers in football out in California are diminishing. You're seeing more increased numbers in states like Utah and states like Georgia. There's younger kids that are growing up where they have their whole lives, where they're focusing on football, and it's creating this culture of high-level, high-intense play where there's a lot of resources backing them. They could be guys that come into a program and compete right away. Therian Alexander III is someone that I think could be seeing time next year because after Jacob Robinson, yeah, there's options at cornerback, but I don't, I'm not ready to anoint someone and say he's the starter next to Jacob Robinson. At cornerback, if you're a guy, you're going to play. Like, I just feel like he's someone that's got good size, but he's also got a high-level production skill set. There's far too often there were guys that had a similar makeup of 6'2", 165, 
but there was really no film next to their name at the high school ranks. This was one of the top cornerbacks in the state of Georgia. That's the type of profile you want to get. And if this kid has success at BYU, I got to think that opens some doors down the road in the state of Georgia. That was a noteworthy addition for BYU. And I like the late announcement and commitment of Keeney Fonohema. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy under the previous staff you probably don't get. No question. But with Jay Hill and with Kelly Papinga, their dedication to recruiting and the, the message they're selling about what defense they want to build, I think they were able to flip some guys. You know, a, another guy, if you don't have Jay Hill, do you get Asiata? I don't, I don't think no. you do. So those are big wins in state for guys that in previous years would not have come to BYU. Well, and Kelly Papinga can go into a room now and say, you know, hey, Fred Warner, the, the best linebacker in the NFL, I, I recruited that guy. I identified him when he was a high school kid. And I coached him at BYU, and Kalani did too. But Kelly Papinga was at the grassroots of Fred Warner. He was also key in getting Sione Takitaki. He had studs at Virginia too. I Kyle mean, Van Noy, he developed him. Kelly Papinga, man, he is legit. And, you know, I always think about this. BYU is just a unique place because you, you think of, like, assistant coaches in a different breath than maybe other schools do. But – Kelly Papinga, Jay Hill, they're the type of guys that could lead this program one day. Yep. I mean, like, I think Kalani's the perfect man for the job, and we'll have him on the show a little bit later. But these are the type of guys that fit BYU perfectly. They can recruit to this place. And I think it's promising that on the heels of a terrible season that you could still close and get quality prospects. Kenny Fonohema, six foot five, two ten. Last year, he is a lock to go to Utah. A lock. He even told me that it was hard to turn down the Utes because they have such a proven track record with getting the linemen to the league. Now, BYU's, I think, had more stars in the NFL as of late, but the the consistency over two decades rests on the D-line at Utah. And, you know, they, they just had a pipeline, but that was a kind of underrated shift for BYU to, to get Fonahema because guess what? BYU and Utah are in the same playing field now. And Utah, they maybe have maybe a little bit deeper pockets in the collective or at least a willingness to spend. I think people undersell the the resources BYU has, but a willingness Utah has. But at the same time, you go, you can't sell conference anymore over BYU. No. And BYU then brings, oh, you're an LDS kid. Why not come here? Why not be at BYU where you play on a great stage? You have a fan base that cares 365. Like, I, I, again. That's why we're doing the show. I mean, Cougar this, Sports Saturday. Cougar fans are legit. And. And then you can be with that. And, and look, I, I just think that Fonohema is a really good get. And I think that this, this whole class, all 27 guys, there's, there's some interesting pieces to this group. Let's continue to break down this class and maybe talk about some positions that could still use some work via the portal on the other side. And then at 1230, the head ball coach, Kalani Satake, he had a great conversation with Mitch Harper. You'll hear that at the bottom of the hour. We're taking our first break. Merry Christmas. Thanks for spending some time with us. Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSLSports.com. Out of all the reindeers, you know you're the mastermind. Early signing day recap here on Cougar Sports Saturday. No one better than Mitch Harper. We already talked about the defensive end, Keeney Fonohema, so I think we can move aside. But who are a few other defensive players in your you also mentioned Therian Alexander. Who are some other guys besides those two that maybe you were surprised that BOU was able to secure? Danny Saili, six foot three, three fifty five, and I think three fifty five is putting it kindly. <laughs> I mean, I saw him at the BYU basketball game last Saturday. 
to me, he was looking like a 380, maybe 390. I mean, he is huge. And he was in black clothing, which as a big man myself, I know the benefits of black clothing. It can make you have a slender look. He still looked huge. <laughs> and Danny Saili coming in from Hutchinson Community College, previously committed to Oklahoma, then Texas Tech. You know, BYU got into the mix. And, you know, his family, they were thrilled. And I, I think it's one of those deals of I think the parents had a lot of sway on this one where – you know, they just they wanted their son to be in this environment, the LDS kid, and the benefits that it can provide. And, you know, he, he took some heat for his tweet about saying no cars, no that. I think some fan bases were taking that personal. I think he was really truly speaking in generalities. Folks, I'll tell you, most of these recruits are not following the day-to-day news of other college football programs. I'm just telling you, I, following this thing a lot, I, I'm telling you, they're not following the news cycle as much as you think. Uh, but Danny Saley, I think he's a starter day one. I do. I think you put him next to John Nielsen in the interior of the line, I like that. And I like on the edges, Tyler Batty, Zay Banya. But I'll, I will say, with those two guys, Batty's going to be a face-of-the-program type player next year, coming back as an all-Big 12 guy. But, you know, even him and Zay Banya, you better perform. Because now there's capable guys behind you where, okay, you're not performing? Well, competition better truly be happening. And the, someone like a Sonny Tuala, six foot five, two sixty DN at Citrus College, he's ready to play. He's young though, raw, but I think he's got three years to play, and he's got a red shirt in there too. He's going to be pretty special if he stays at BYU like long term and sees this thing out. He could pretty be a really good one for BYU off the edge. Could I also say too, and I don't think there was ever really a serious doubt that he would decommit and go elsewhere, but. Holding on to Reiner Swanson, he's a BYU kid. He was probably going to come here anyways. But you look at what the tight end room did last year, it wasn't great. And then you move on from the coach. They don't even have a tight end coach as of this show. But you're able to still maintain him. He's the only four-star in the class. I think being able to hold on to him, too, was critical for this group because you pair him with Jackson Bowers in the short term and maybe even the long term. We'll have to see, you know, timing with missions and everything. But – I thought that was a little underrated just maintaining of the guy because that could have went south, but holding on to him I think is a big deal because I'm of the belief, all those guys you mentioned, bring them in, love having them. I still want as many Reiner Swansons as you can get. BYU guys, they they grow up a BYU fan – Hold on to those guys. I like that they did that with Swanson. Six foot four, two thirty five, Laguna Beach High School in California. BYU Amazing guy hair. through. Yes. Give anything for that hair. You'll hear from him coming up a little bit later this show, and I'll tell you, he'll become a fan favorite instantly from his commentary because he, like you, Cougar fans, is puzzled why prominent LDS recruits don't come play for BYU more. Uh, you know, he's he's a BYU guy through and through, but he he does admit, like it's it was kind of hard to turn down Texas. It was hard to turn down. Nick Saban, but uh, that that love of BYU, there's still a pull, and I think that pull is getting you know amplified a little bit more being in the Big Twelve Conference because I think that has a, a lot of appeal for guys knowing that you can have a real path now to playing for a national championship. Again, I think it's it's hard to comprehend, and I and I know coming on the heels of a five and seven season, you, you don't want to entertain that thought, and I get it, Cougar fans, but like this program, any year. You can draw up a scenario, where, a path where they're playing for a national title or, like, in the mix to go chase it. Like, why not? Like, a team like Oklahoma State was in the Big 12 championship game this last this past year. No one's looking at Oklahoma State and saying, man, that was just a juggernaut. I mean, they, they, why can't BYU have the amazing turnaround? Why? 
Why can't they? And if you do it next year, you might be in the playoff. Like yep. Again, it's so hard to picture that now with so many moves moving pieces, but that should be the goal. And that, that should be the conversation around the program. And, like, dream big because now everything's in front of you. And great BYU teams of the past, they dreamed big, and maybe you couldn't achieve it because the powers that be in the sport wouldn't allow it. Now everything's in front of you. And I just think that em- embrace it and I think sell that and, and have these players dreaming big because you get that belief, man, behind the, the uniqueness of BYU. I think it can be a powerful thing. All right, let's take the break here. On the other side, you'll hear from Kalane Satake, the head football coach down at BYU. He'll join us next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. BYU football team wrapped up an eventful signing day this week. And joining me now is head coach Kalani Satake to talk about that signing day class. But first, I do got to ask you, Kalani, how's the how was the in-home visits and the food tour? I got to imagine there was some good eats on, on the in-home visit tour. Oh, yeah. I, I ate a lot. And I, I mean, I ate. One day I ate three dinners, so um, that was that was uh, a lot of fun, and um, and uh, you know I I, I, did, I actually did really good, but I don't think anybody knew that I it looked like I was hungry every time. So I I have a bottomless pit that I can just eat. I, I, most people eat till they're full. I eat till my mouth gets tired. <laughs> One of the recruits though did say you had a taco night. It was Reiner Swanson. He said that you were pretty modest. Only had two tacos while he pounded twelve. No, I think he forgot all the chips and salsa that I ate. Though, like, I mean, tacos are a little bit too messy. You gotta, you gotta be like, you gotta pinch it and you gotta eat it a different way. I, I'm more of a nachos type of guy, so that's that's the only problem is that I I ate tons of chips and salsa, guacamole, and uh, yeah, I, I skipped the tacos. I, I went two tacos to show that I appreciate them, but the rest was just like thrown all together. I I ate it like a platter more than just a, a number of tacos. How, that's awesome. How important, though, are those in-home visits in these in this process to ultimately get these players to, to sign the letter of intent on signing day? How critical are those visits, you think? Well, they are to me. And, and the, the hard part for the head coach is you're only allowed one home visit. And so it, it, it's hard to get out and see all the recruits. Um, but our, our assistants can do one a week. And so you you don't want to get it so like it's 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 um kind of a nuisance you know I, I think um, maybe the home visits are good but at the same time you don't want to be like the unwelcomed home teacher you know what I mean yeah. so you 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 want to keep it like fun and about football and all that stuff and you you just want to just keep it focused but at the same time it's really good to get in their home get in their element where they're comfortable see them interact with their family with their mom and dad their siblings. It's a really cool setting where you can get kind of get get them on on their best uh, moment at home, and then and just try to see if it's a good mix for them to be at BYU. There's not a not an easier way to see it than than be actually in the home. 
Well, I bring that up because it seems like there was a, a pretty good hit rate of correlation of guys that you made paid visits to in December, and they actually ended up signing with this 2024 class. And I think a big highlight of this 2024 class is along the defensive line. Is it unreasonable, Kalani, to think that this wave of talent that's coming in that's going to be competing next fall or whenever they matriculate into the program that they're going to instantly improve the pass rush and generate more sacks and tackles for loss? I think that'll happen. I think that and then the guys being in the system for another year, um, understanding exactly what we're trying to do uh, as, a, as a defense all together. But we, we had to bulk up the group and, and get more to work with. I think, number one, it gives you more talent to get things done, especially the specified um, talent to get a get your specialized talent to get to the quarterback in the pass rush. And if you want to do that, that comes in two forms. One is add talent to the group, and then another is uh, develop the talent that's already currently on the team. But for me, it's the other element, which is create create competition. Create competition. Right now, guys are looking at this list and going, "Oh man, I, I better make sure I got my stuff right." Uh, it, it makes it a lot easier for me and for Jay to, to figure out who, who can be the guys on the field for us. And this is a this is a group of young men that can come in and play right away as true freshmen and as junior college transfers. That that's evident that they can get it done right away. And then and then adding like a guy like Jack, who brings um, and not, not only does he bring size and athleticism and speed, but he's done it and he's had he's had um, more sacks than than than, than we, we have as a sack leader on our team. So um, you have to have the ability, but you have to have competition. I think you want to get the best of both worlds in this. When you mentioned Jack, that's Jack Kelly from Weber State, and I think people that maybe aren't familiar with the FCS ranks or, or don't follow the transfer portal as closely, Jack Kelly was getting a lot of interest from power conference schools. What more can you say about what it took to get him to, to BYU and, and the competition that was there for Jack Kelly? Well, I think for Jack is the connection that he had with Jay Hill, number one. But then also just getting getting a connection. He has a connection with with Justin Anna too. So um, being here, being being part of that, he has guys on the team that 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 are currently on the team that are good friends of his, Jake Guycorn, um, you know, and Eddie Heckert and, and and Camden. So the fact that he has people to talk to about it, and then and then his connection with Jay Hill as a coach. But this isn't this isn't a defense that he has to learn now. So when you have all these other P4 schools offering him uh, a lot of different things, a lot of promises, um, the one that they can't promise is that, that he already knows their defense. So um, that, that was one thing that was huge for Eddie and, and for Cam being here is that they know the defense, they recognize everything, and the terminology is the same. So that, I think him being familiar with it is going to help in that, in that aspect, but he's also such a big-time playmaker, and he knows what he wants to do. He's a local kid you know, from Kearns, and so I, I know he wants to be close to his family, um, but, man, he's such a big-time playmaker. And that's, I say that, I say that, but everybody on this list are big-time playmakers, and we're really fortunate to have them. Well, it, I think that it's it's definitely the case. I mean, the, 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 the type of competition that was there for these players, uh, it speaks for itself, the, the offers these guys were getting. It, does that, is there, is it un, maybe unrealistic to expect that, these guys can can step in and, and maybe unseat proven commodities already, or are you really wanting to see just complete competition across the board in the program next year? Well, I think we have to see competition, and, and, and but you have to also have guys that are ready to play. 
Yeah. Uh, I think um, development has to be a lot faster now. We don't have a lot of time to wait uh, for years in development. The development's got to be a little bit more. Um, you got to have a little bit more. It can't be as raw as what we've done in the past, Mitch. You, you, you know that. You've seen some of our guys that are raw get on the field because of injuries and depth and all that stuff, and and and, and we we suffer because of it. So now having talent, the only thing that we're lacking is experience. But at least you got guys that are talented that can play right away at that position. We don't need to develop them too much. These guys are pretty much looking at their size and their weight. They can do a lot of things for us right now. Kalani Sataki is my guest here for a few more moments. The, when you talk about raw and maybe potential and upside, I think that kind of embodies the quarterback unit right now. And there's a lot of intriguing options returning with Jake Retzlaff, who got a lot of starting experience. Ryder Burton's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, and then Kate Finnegan, Nick Billups return. But then also you add Noah Lugo, who will be joining the program in January. What's kind of the thought process behind him? Is it developmental or are you looking at him as someone to go in and compete like the rest of those guys in 2024? Well, we, we think he's got the ability to compete right away. And, and, and um, it's just a matter of, of experience. And, and the guys that are in the office already have already a, a, a head start. So uh, can he make up the difference with their head start? We'll see. But the, but the ability is there. And you look at even Enoch. He's going on a mission right now. Enoch Watson uh, out of, out of uh, ALA with, with Ty Detmer and, and Max Hall. That guy is <laughs> – he has all the ability, and he's tough, and he can run. I mean, these guys are ready-made players right now. He just decided to start a mission first. And and then you look at the rest of the group. I mean, we, we have a good number of players. The, the hard part is going to be who to sink the reps into, right? And that's not my job. That's A-Rod. He's got to figure that out. And and then, and, and then maybe things will change. We'll see. But I think the guys are, are, are amped up, ready to play, and they're ready to compete. We just need to keep adding to adding fuel to the competition. And will that also consist of adding personnel out of the transfer portal that quarterback unit? What's kind of the latest there? Yeah, I, I think I think we've we got a lot of attention from the from the um, portal with the quarterback position. A lot of people uh, contacted us that went into the portal, and um, you know, for one way or another, when, when we start talking, they're either a, a good fit, but not not right away. And and um, I think we have some really good options right now. And uh, I think we're, we're going to hone in on one. We'd like to add uh, one, uh, an experienced guy from the portal. Uh, whether we do that or not, it was yet to be seen. But I think we're kind of leaning that way. It adds to the competition. Um, the quarterbacks know about it already. We're very transparent with them on it. Um, we, we have to be ready, and that position needs to have um, as much experience as we can there that go along with the talent. Nebraska head coach Matt Rule made a lot of headlines uh, with his commentary about transfer portal QBs and QBs in general that to get a high-end guy these days is going to be a million or $2 million. Is that like the commentary quarterbacks are saying to BYU? Like, yeah, I'm interested, but what's how much is the, the price going to be? Is, is that been what your experience has been with some of these quarterbacks that you've been talking to? Yeah, very common. Uh, um not all of them, but but a good number of them have already offers from other places for money, and that's not going to ever be us. At BYU, we're not going to recruit a quarterback for that price tag. That's just not what we do. So um, we're, we're going to do recruiting our way, and, um, and and if it has to be NIL, 
that's 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 actually the end of it for us with a lot of recruits. They contact us and we say, hey, we don't talk NIL, uh, but we, we do have a collective. We do have systems in place, but we're not going to be – that's not our focus is money. Uh, as soon as we say that, we lose a lot of recruits. That's okay. We, it's a filtering process for us, and, and um, you know, we're in, in, in the right spot. I mean, you, you can only imagine what NIL could do for you. Imagine if Jimmer Fredette were right now in, in his peak in NIL. Would we really have to worry about him making money? I mean, you know, that's, but, but we would be, we would be mistaken if we made that the focus. Make the, the focus is his playing ability and his ability to lead and make plays. So I think for us, we have a fan base. We have a system in place for guys to, to actually do their name, image, and likeness. But how do you, how do you project that before you even did anything on the field? You know what I mean? That's, yep. I think what we're trying to do is keep it for within the guidelines of what is expected to be, which is name, image, and likeness. Our guys do make money from name, image, and likeness, and I, I appreciate the opportunities that they have. Um, but it's it's not going to be to what everybody else is doing, which is is that really name, image, and likeness? You know. But I'm not going to hear. I'm not here to critique other people. I'm just saying we're 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 doing things the right way according to what we want and what the type of athletes we want to coach. It's working really, really well for us, and I, I'm excited about the ready-made players. I look at like I, just before I forget, ready-made players are guys like like um, you know the the I wasn't here when 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 Bronco and K-pop recruited him, but Fred Warner was a ready-made player, but he was he was talented. I say ready-made player. He was talented, played right away, but they didn't play him at the position that he's playing in the NFL right now. They played him at the position where they feel like he can be best suited and have a little bit more room and be in space. We did the same. When he got bigger and bulkier, that happened in the NFL when he grew and got and grew with his hair. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, when the dreads grew, his body grew and his muscles started to form a lot more into his adult, adult body. And now he's playing middle linebacker and the best middle linebacker in the NFL at that. So a lot of these guys will be ready-made. I, I said the talent, maybe I should stop saying ready-made. They're, they're, they're talented players. That their talent can be on the field and can help us win games if need if they needed to get on the field as true freshmen or JC players right away. Cool. I'm curious too, just to follow up, Kalan. Do, do you feel that the, the BYU way can put your this program in a position to contend for championships in the Big Twelve? Because I mean, that's that's always been the standard of BYU is championship football, and and can it work in a in a power conference world where it seems like the college football narrative is just inundated with money, money everywhere you look? We we have no choice, Mitch. That's that's how we're going to function. That's how we've decided as a program and as a university that our program and our athletics will be run differently. We are going to find unique ways to do it, and we're going to find ways to win championships through culture and through what we're doing right now. For us to try to do it like everybody else, it won't work because that's not the mission of the school. It's not the mission of our department. Definitely not the mission of what we're trying to get done as a football program. So. Um, when, when we're, in terms of what you're saying, do we have donors and, and people that are available? Of course. Are we asking them to, to go buy our players? No. Because even if we did have the money, it, it's not what the focus we want to be on this team about. It, it, it's, like I mentioned Jimmer. Let's go, find, let's go find the football versions of Jimmer. Let's go find Tyler Algiers and, and all these guys that can make plays from the beginning. Puka Nakua and then and then they'll make money. Those guys will make money from the name, image, and likeness. But if you're going to call it NIL, 
then you better be paying through NIL, not not pay for play. Yeah. I think there's a there's a misconception that NIL is happening when it's actually not. Name, image, and likeness is is used in too broadly right now. We are going to keep it what it is, which is name, image, and likeness, and our guys will will get extra cash, but uh, probably not the amount that everybody else is asking. Definitely not going to pay the price tag that people think quarterbacks are going to be at. We're, we're not going to be in that game. And so uh, we, we will have guys that want to be here for the right reasons and and, um, and and we'll be focused on what matters the most. People, experiences, opportunities, network, um, the, the spirit of what we have here at BYU, and it's going to be in alignment with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Last couple things here for you, Kalani. I know your time's precious, but uh, I, no I, look at, I look at this roster – and uh, and I see like the, these names with the signing day, and it feels like you're you're getting pretty close to really getting a, a good sense of maybe what the 2024 roster could look like. Is it close to being done? Is that fair, or, or is it still a long way, and you're still like barely scratching the surface of the makeup of this thing? Well, I think I think in body types and talent, we're really really close, and, and I think that's probably what you're you're getting to. You can see. And I can tell. I mean, I, I know, I know you love BYU football and BYU sports, and so you can see the, the, the excitement in your voice because you know there's tons of talent here, and so um, there's also tons of talent that are coming home from their missions. No one's talking about those guys, but man, they're, they're, I can't wait till those guys get on the field, right? And so when you put it all together, what we did last year is we had to put people in spots so that we can get some good depth right away and have them learn the. the learn the system and be in, in, in included in our in our culture, um, we will be better. We were turning a lot of offensive production. And then I know people like, well, our offense didn't do well last year. The, the, the talent wasn't the reason. There's a lot of other reasons that, that, that we didn't produce. And we're, we're addressing all of it. And so as we start to do that and we start to put the right pieces in play, I think you and, and you're a little bit more uh, – um, you have a different perspective than, every, than even a normal fan because – you can see in real time, and you actually, you actually can evaluate and see the talent for yourself. That's why I think there's a lot of excitement and energy going towards this, um, a lot of expectations. We already have high expectations, so now we're getting the talent that can meet it, and, and when that happens, the talent that are currently on the team, it, it'll, it'll raise their level of play too because competition does that. The, the goals that you have for, um, for, for yourself and the, the program, the players, the coaches – everyone involved as you kind of move this thing forward and turn the calendar to 2024, what's just kind of the, the theme you really want for this program heading into next year? Yeah, I think, I think um, everybody knows that we're not, we're not uh, excited about the way we finished the season and, and not getting the bowl eligibility, but at the same time, there's some, there's some correction that needs to take place. And, and, and I always, I always start with myself as the, because what can I do different? What can I do better? And, and and what can I do to improve? And as I start looking through that, I start to evaluate everywhere else. I think it's important that I um, that I address it and that I get to it and and and, and make the necessary uh, changes. And some of them are very very minute. Others are very big. And and I think as we get to those the points, uh, my I hope everybody knows that my my mindset is always to do what's best and what's right for the players. And then also do what's right and what's best for the fans. And so as we work through that, I'm not perfect as a person, but I, I do feel that I am doing my best and I'm doing the right things as a coach, as a head coach, 
to get this program right. And I think the goals in terms of 2024, I think sky's the limit for this group. I, 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 um, I know that it's going to take a lot of hard work and dedication and sacrifice, but we know what it's like now as a team. We, we know what it's like to go through the Big 12 conference. We go through that schedule. And that, that's a, to have that reference is huge. Um, I say that because going into the, the – after the Oklahoma State game, as our team went into off-season conditioning in the weight room, uh, there's a, there's a new, new focus that I've never seen before. That's because they know what to expect now. And as new players come in, return missionaries and these players that we, that we sign come in, uh, whether they enter this semester or next semester or during the summer, they're going to have a, a reference to go to our players and say, what was it like? And our players will tell them what it was like. We didn't have that reference before. All we had was me and A-Rod and Jay saying, hey, we're going to go to this new conference. going to be really tough going to a P5. But even going into the Big 12 was way different even for us. Even though we knew that it would be an adjustment, it, I think it was a little bit – there were some surprises, one of them being that the Big 12 is a lot more physical than people want to give it credit for. You know, and, and, and we, we, we didn't understand all that until we kind of went through it and we saw how it affected our team. And so we have to have a different approach into the offseason. We have to find a way to get bigger and stronger at a rapid rate but I think the players, their, their mindset will be different now. When we ask them to gain weight, and I, I, I've said this before, you ask them to gain 10 pounds because it will help them in the, in the season. And some of these guys only gain five or six pounds. Well, I think they're going to gain 10 now. You know, it, it's the, the reference matters more than anything. And as we go to the second season, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think we can accomplish a lot of our goals that we want. Number one is to be the best we possibly can be. I think if we can get to that, we'll be in really good shape by the time we hit uh, week one. He's the head coach of the BYU Cougars. He is Kalani Satake. Merry Christmas, Kalani, to you, your your wife, Timberly, your kids. Uh, always appreciate the conversations that could go on and on with you, but I know you're a busy man. And, and again, enjoy the holidays and looking forward to another year of Cougar football. Can't wait to cover it. Appreciate you, my man. Mitch, thank you for all that you do for BYU sports, and specifically for BYU football and your coverage. To all Cougar Nation, thank you. Love you guys. Uh, go Cougs. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank you. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Talked a lot of BYU basketball today, and that's going to keep going as we have assistant coach Cahil Fennell with us. Let's start with this, Coach. Uh, what do you think are a few reasons that this defense is playing some great basketball this year? Oh, I think it's the collective buy-in of our group, right? I think our guys have really taken, uh, taken it to heart. I think the foreign tour was really helpful in that regard where they can see a little bit of what good looks like, right? They played some really good players, some really good teams, some high-level um, offensive schemes and some creative stuff overseas, which was awesome, awesome exposure for our guys. Um, and I think they saw a little bit of 
where they need to get better and how they can improve. And I think they've they've really taken that mantle on and, and have taken some pride in that and some accountability in that. Um, I think you've seen some some individuals get better as well. Some, you know, Trevin Nell's of the world, Richie Saunders of the world, uh, Noel Waterman. These guys have really taken a step forward with their individual defensive capabilities, and that's helped us as a group. Yeah. Noah, in particular, feels like he's rebounding at a high level. He's defending at a high level. In what ways have you seen him elevate his game on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I think he's had the physical capability to do it, right? He's, he's nearly 6'11 without shoes. He's a mobile kid. He can move his feet and get off the floor a little bit. Um, and I think now that you've seen him take um, just a little bit more accountability, accountability excuse me, like I said, um, I think that's just shown in his approach, it's shown in his mindset, um, and it's shown in his performance. I think his ability to, to guard one through five, um, switch ball screens and move his feet with perimeter-based guards, um, his ability to really bang in the, in the paint with some bigger guys like your Jaden Ladees of the world, um, and then he can rebound and finish the play like you mentioned. So um, he's really shown tremendous value as a versatile defender, and it's, it's only helped us. Why do you think this team has been able to withstand injuries so far? I mean, there were injuries before the season began, and, you know, Foose goes down, and he's been out for a little bit, but this team continues to find ways to win. How have they been able to withstand those things? I think, fortunately, we have uh, pretty good depth and a lot of good players, right? We have a little bit of a next-man-up mentality. I'd like to get to the point where we don't have to do, do all this and, and withstand injuries and, and have a full deck, but um, I think our guys' collective mindset and maturity is really shown as far as um, taking up the mantle for the guy that's gone down and, and taking on that additional responsibility, whether that's Townsend Triple does a fantastic job for us off the bench and playing uh, the four and the five. He's great in practice. He's great in games when he gets the opportunity. Um, somebody like a Noah that'll play the five, somebody like a Richie that'll play the four and the three. Um, it's really pushed our guys' versatility and it's really pushed the depth of our roster and our guys have, have really shown through so far. I want to go back a few weeks to the uh, to the loss at Utah. I only bring this up because that's the only loss you have so far. What did you guys learn after watching the tape on, on both sides of the ball where you know, that late comeback come came up a little short, but I'm sure some things had to have been learned from being in one of the few close games you've been in this year. Yeah, it was, it was obviously really disappointing. Um, I said at the time that it's a massive game, and it's a game we take very seriously, but it's not going to define us win or lose. And, and I think we're really trying to um, continue to work our way out of that loss. Uh, I think you saw a little bit of a hangover um, in the Denver game, and I think our guys really bounced back um, really, really well against Georgia State and played well for 40 minutes. And I think one of the things we did learn from that Utah game um, is that we have to be, our, be us. We have to be ourselves. We, we can't try to do too much as individuals. We can't take on um, too much additional responsibility, which is kind of outside of our scope um, and expect us to still function at a high level as a unit because that's that's really our strength, right? It's, it's our ability as a group to play together, both on offense, both on defense, um, and, and really kind of have a collective cohesive unit, which is hard to beat. And, and I think when we try to go as individuals, uh, we don't go nearly as far. Defensively, the jump has been impressive, and offensively, there's a lot of team categories as well. Assist to turnover ratio, three-point makes, I and mean, bench points, we go on and on. Are any of those categories something that you guys saw maybe being on the foreign trip that you mentioned or in an off-season conditioning where you felt like, man, our group has taken a big leap in this area? Yeah, I think sharing the basketball, I think taking a look at it this year from last year, um, both, you know, it's kind of, a, a, of an interesting combination where we're, we're sharing the basketball and we're doing a great job of, of play, making plays for each other, um, but we're also taking care of the ball at a high level too as far as reducing our turnovers. So um, that was a massive point of emphasis for us over the summer as far as really protecting the basketball um, and making aggressive plays for our teammates, and our guys have, have continued to take that to heart, and it's really shown. How much do you think continuity from last year's team to this year's team? There's so many guys that played significant roles last year that were back this year. How big of a role has that played on where the team is at right now? 
It's been massive, yeah. I think across college basketball, especially in the early parts of the season, you're gonna see a lot of the teams that are having early success. Um, it's a group that's been together for a little bit and there's been some cohesion, whether in the off season or through last season. Um, and I think we've been beneficiaries of that as well. Um, I think guys like Richie and, and Dallin have had, you know, obviously a season under their belt, so they kind of know what to expect. They know what college basketball looks like. They know what Coach Pope expects. Um, and they've really benefited from that. Uh, Jackson Robinson and Noah Waterman as transfers after their first year here have gotten a little far more comfortable, you know, just being students at BYU and, and playing at this level. So it's, it's been huge for them as well. And I think when you put those kind of elements together, um, you can have a team that's, that's ready to hit the ground running as the season starts. This next question may be difficult, may not be, but how hard is it, you know, I use Dawson Baker as an example. He's missed a lot of time. He's just barely getting his feet wet. How challenging, what's the juggling act from a coaching staff perspective to work guys in to a rotation or a group of dudes that have been playing good basketball? Yeah, I think that's difficult when you think about big picture stuff, but I think first and foremost, you really just have to focus on the individual's health, right? Like how can we get him back up to full speed where he's playing at the best of his capabilities? And then when he's doing that, then we can start to think about, okay, well, where does he fit in? Um, and then it's really incumbent upon the player, right? If he forces his way and kicks the door down, then he's going to play. Um, Dawson, fortunately for us, is a really good player. Um, I feel for him because he's been through a really frustrating stretch, and, and he's done everything he's been asked to do as far as rehab and attacking that. Um, he's really diligent with his work and work on the floor and work in the training room with Rob Ramos, who does an awesome job. Um, so for somebody like Dawson, uh, who's put in the hours and he's, he's proven when he is on the floor that he's a really a high-level player that can help us, um, you know, you'd like to think at some point and in some way he can earn himself a, some a role on this team. A few more questions for him to let you go. Thanks for the time. And they probably should have started with this, but Merry Christmas is right around the corner. Um, Big 12 play is also right around the corner. What have you learned? What has this coaching staff learned about this group heading into Big 12 play that maybe you didn't know before the year began? Oh, I, I think it's a little bit of what we talked about before. I think our ability to play within ourselves and play with the unit um, makes us the most effective team. And, and I think our, our players is, have kind of recognized that as individuals where um, if they're part of the collective, we can go a lot farther and, and have a lot more team success. Um, and I think just our continued ability to share the basketball, I, I think that's something that we've learned um, where it's kind of hand-in-hand hand with my first comment, where we're playing together, we're playing on the same page, and we're pulling in the same direction, we can be pretty effective. So I'd like to hope that that can continue in the Big 12, and um, if, as long as we continue to be ourselves, I think we'll put ourselves in a position to be successful. On the note of sharing the basketball, how, how big of a role has Ali Khalifa played in that? He's just such an unselfish player, finding backdoor cuts and keeping the offense rolling. How big of a role has he played in just this unselfish brand of basketball here? Uh, he's been fantastic. He, he, he doesn't care about points. He doesn't care about his individual stats. Um, but he, he does what he's asked at a really, really high level as far as being the fulcrum of our attack and, and kind of the hub of our offense. And he does such a tremendous job distributing the ball and finding people from weird angles and, and odd spots on the floor. He's as good as passer as anybody in the country, regardless of position. Uh, really, really fun to watch. And I, I give him a tremendous amount of credit for um, dealing with injury, dealing with a new system, dealing with a new team and a different level um, and still kind of stepping in and, and playing at a high level. So uh, he's been fantastic for us both on and off the floor. Last thing for you, what's uh, Christmas morning like in the Fennell household? You guys waking up at 5 a.m. to open gifts? You know, unfortunately, we are. I have a, uh, <laughs> I have a 10-year-old that wakes up at about 6.15 on a school day. So when it's Christmas time, man, he's, he's fired up. And then my other son comes down. He's kind of groggy, but he's the younger brother, so he'll show up too. And it's a little bit too much, to tell you the truth. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. Awesome. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm sure that's always a fun time in the Fennell household. And uh, we're looking forward to Big 12 play. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Welcome back into KSL News Radio, your legacy home of the BYU Cougars. 
BYU basketball getting uh, near the end of non-conference play this holiday season. And joining me is BYU Reserve Richie Saunders. Sophomore season, what's been the biggest change in year two for you compared to your first year with the Cougs? You know, I feel like I just feel a little more comfortable, right? Um, with the time, like, I feel like I've really been able to learn and gel with the um, with the guys more, and um, I think it's been super awesome to see how, as a team, we are really working together to accomplish something great. I just feel like we all have a common goal, which is um, which is awesome. Common goal, and it feels like this team is really close away from the court. What do you guys do away from basketball that brings this team so close together? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like it's been just a lot of time over the summers and stuff um, over this last summer of um, spending time together you know um, like we've we were able to go to Europe and um, you know I feel like that really helped us to get closer together um, and I feel like um, we've done a lot of different service things like this last uh, week we had like a um, little um, little shoot around with some of the um, with a great nonprofit here um, and I feel like we just we just like being around each other, which is fun. I mean, because we are around each other so much, you know, like so much. But um, I love the, this group of guys. I've heard that Super Smash Brothers is a thing, too, on this team. Yeah, I am not the greatest at that. But there's some apparently really good people on the team. So Who got that started? Who who who, who uh, brings the Switch console to hotels when you guys are on the road? Yeah, we have one downstairs in our locker room. And so um, they've, they just bring it with them. So it's it's fun to... Um, be in the hotel and all of a sudden you just hear like oh or something like everybody goes crazy and I'm sure the people next to us in the hotels aren't super happy about that but no it's it's super fun. I gotta imagine though it's it's pretty fun to to get on the court in these games when when you just know you've got so much chemistry and and rapport with these guys. Yeah no 100% like it's it is it just takes so much pressure off each person I feel like because really we can't do it unless we do it together. There's no way around it. Um, and so, like, I feel like when we step on the court, like, we really, like, we see that. We see that we need each other. And so um, I couldn't ask for anything more. You know? Do you feel like this year you've been playing with no pressure and that's what's maybe causing all the improved, at least statistically, the metrics have improved for a lot for you this season? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like there's always pressure, right? Um, but I feel like... Um, just we really focus on what we need to focus on, and that's kind of like a little mantra for us: is focusing on us. Um, and I, f- I feel like when we put our energy towards that, like we don't need to put our energy towards like what if we do this, what if this happens, you know? Um, a lot of different unknowns can um, be pushed back into the back of our mind, and uh, like we just focus on again what we need to focus on. How much do you, uh, or what's an area that you feel individually that you feel like you still want to? kind of improve on over the course of, of this season, then close out non-conference and then in the Big 12 play? Yeah, no, there's um, a lot of different areas that need big sharpening, right? But um, I feel like two key ones is um, being able to guard um, in the post, and um, which is definitely a little newer to me, um, but also being able to guard the point guard. Um, I, just, I want to be able to become an elite d- defender. And, um, I feel like I want to take a big step um, with the remainder of the season in that, as well on the offensive side of continuing to shoot with confidence and um, just shoot the shots, you know, shoot my shots. 
When you bring up the, the defensive side, there has been clearly improved play on that. I mean, the, the stats bear that out. And the way you guys are beating teams, it's noteworthy. What, what's been the biggest change with this defense as a whole this year? You know, that's, that's a good question. I feel like um, we, like, one of the things that comes to my mind is we watch a lot of defensive film, um, individually and as a team. Um, and Kiel Fennell, our coach that's mainly over defenses, um, you know, he he helps us to really buy into the picture of, um, we call it guarding our yard. Um, meaning, like, if we can really just take it on personally um, and like hold our ground and um, win the different areas that we need to, then we don't need to have the additional help, right? And so we can take it one-on-one -on -one instead of having to bring a second defender, which um, creates an opening for the, their, the offensive team. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been really good. How is it, you talk about protecting your yard, uh, home court here at BYU has always been a big thing, the Marriott Center. What's your feelings of, of going into that building and just the environments? I mean, you've seen a wide range of venues in your short time here at BYU. Just your feelings on, on playing in the Marriott Center and how big of an advantage that can be for this program going forward. No, like it's it really is awesome, right? Like to be able to know you got the rock and all the other, what, 15,000 people um, in addition to the rock. Like it's like it's amazing, right? Like because when teams come in here, like I've had people during the game asking me like, is it always like this? Is it always this loud? And I'm like, like, oh my, you have no clue, right? Um, and it makes all the difference for us, knowing that we got a lot of people that have our backs and stuff, you know, so. Last thing for you, Richie, there, there's a good vibe around this team, even though like there's the rankings, all that noise outside, but it feels like you guys are still like on the attack to prove people wrong in a way. It's gotta be a sweet spot to where there's still so much to prove yet the nation's kind of still to some degree taking notice of you guys. Yeah, no, we, we, we have not proved anything, right? Um, it's early in the season, and um, we see that. Like, I feel like we see where, the, where we need to grow as a team and, and as individuals. And, like, because of that, I feel like we're hungry, right? Like, we haven't, like, we always talk about it. Like, we need to, can, we are going to continue to prove to the world that we are great. Um, and maybe in games where we're up by a lot, like, that needs and it, like it needs to stay, like where we are still here to prove that we are great, right? Like we are here to um, to not just be like a lot of teams where if we're up by 30 or like then it dips, they come back a little bit, but we want to keep pushing on them. And we've had both games, right? Like I think of Denver where they started to creep back after we were up by a lot. But then we um, go into Georgia State, like our last game, we were up by 30 and we just keep kept telling ourselves that we want to prove that we are great, um, and so keep putting, keeping our foot on the throat, right? And um, I just it's been it's been a fun year so far, and there's so much more to do. I know I said the last thing, but kind of just wanted to follow up on that. Is that what kind of inspires you to always bring that great effort when you get? I mean, you can consistently get about 24 minutes or so a game. Is that what kind of motivates you? Like because you've been bringing some great effort on the glass, the assist, everywhere across the board. Is that what kind of fuels you? Yeah, there's, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have and um, I'm eager to prove to um, that <laughs> we're great, you know? And I, I love it and I'm super fortunate to be in this position. <laughs>
Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Sports Saturday. Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. Merry Christmas, Cougar Nation. What are you listeners that aren't Cougar fans? If you are, uh, still Merry Christmas to you too. Merry Christmas to one and all. Or we appreciate all of you. It's been a special year once again. Covering all the ins and outs of the Big 12 Conference. It's been a lot of fun on this show. And we're going to be continuing to do that every single week here on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. And now it's time for Matt and I's favorite segment of the program. The Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5, sponsored by Economics Partners. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. Here's the Top 5. The Top 5, Christmas edition. Yet, I have a feeling it'll still be uh, centered around BYU, because our producer and the host of the Top 5, Nate Slack, he comes correct. He has been favoring Mitch as of... No, I'm just kidding. Yes, he has. (laughs) Mitch is on a roll. I'm on quite the losing streak. And with that being I just wanted to get that out of the way before uh, Nate could rub that in my face. But what do you have on tap today? Merry Christmas to you. Bef- before, what's Christmas morning going to look like for you and the Slack family? Hopefully not very much. We have our babies still, so hopefully I get to sleep in a little bit. And then we'll go to my parents' house later in the day. But we're all grown up now, so just kind of hanging out. And we'll uh, wear our new pajamas over, I'm sure, and enjoy some uh, some Costa Vita salad for dinner. <laughs> okay, so. that, is that the tradition in the Slack family? It is. It's because I've always complained about the ham dinners. I think ham is <laughs> boring, and I think turkey's well even said. worse. So. Oh, okay. That's I, I, I draw the line on the, uh, on the turkey take, but I, I do agree with you on ham. I am not the the ham fan. I don't ever go ham on ham, but uh, no, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Merry Christmas to you, Nate. Again, the top five brought to you by Economic Partners, Econ Partners, Com. And for those of you new to the show, every single week we have this segment where it's kind of like a game show. Nate will lay out a topic, and Matt and I, with no preparation, we have no idea what he's going to throw at us. we got to guess and predict that top five, what it is. Maybe it's a factual list. Maybe it's an opinion-based deal. We, we, we let Nate take it where he goes. And so what's on deck this week, Nate? We're sticking with the numbers this week. Every time I bring up my opinions, Matt gets upset. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure it's, it's factual-based this week. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation the last week, week and a half, about Marcus Adams playing, and I think that's something all fans are really excited about. And so this week, we're going to be taking a look at the most minutes played by a freshman in BYU basketball history. So the top five freshmen in terms of minutes played in BYU basketball history. Okay. Where do we begin? It's going to be Mitch starting out this week. Most minutes played by a freshman in BYU basketball history. Okay. Let's go with Lee Kumard. Tough break. Opportunity for Biamont. Oh, oh, geez. I, 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 I got in front of the horn. Excuse me. <laughs> I got so excited to, to, to take control. I just got, I got in front of the buzzer. Did you get an advanced look at the list? <laughs> you just knew. Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with Eric Mika. Ooh. I thought I had that one. I thought you had that one, too. 
Okay, freshman, how about this one? Jonathan Tavernari. Wow. My goodness. I'm going to throw this out there because I think the injury came so late in the year, it's not going to affect the overall number. Tyler Hawes. Tyler Hawes is number six on the list by, oh. by two minutes. So, Nate, let me so ask So, the you. injury, the face, the broken face in Vegas uh, is affecting the top five. Let me ask you this, Nate. Are these players, any of them, in the last 10 years? Yeah. Okay, yep. okay. And that's, that's all I needed to know. And they're all names except for one. But I, I will say, I wasn't going to mention this, there, is, uh, there are six possibilities. How about this? Let's go with Kyle Collinsworth. Okay, here we go. He's the one who had 926 minutes, so... He's number five on the list. Tyler Haas is 924 minutes. Okay. Two minutes more than, than Tyler Haas. Wow. Okay. After all those misses, we just got a, a heaping pile of coal <laughs> in the top five. Who is up next? I have I have lost track. Have, you, you go. It's all fine. right. Okay. Oh, boy. That was something else. Brandon Davies. Mm. Dang. I thought that was a good pick, too. How about, you know what, let, let's say him. I don't feel good about it. I always feel like I get a reference into this guy. Jimmer Fredette sitting behind Ben Murdoch. And I don't feel confident in that one. Mm. Yeah, no, it wasn't it. If it's not Tyler Hawes, I would be remiss if I miss mm. his bearded brother who we saw at practice recently, TJ. Yeah, that's a good pull. TJ's the man. He's number two on the list with 1,040 minutes. So quite a bit. I should have went with that because... He was an all-conference guy as a first-teamer in the WCC. That's a good pick. How about this? Who's, is, is it still? It's back to you, I think. Okay. Let's go with Danny Ainge. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and he's number one on the list. He's got 1,140 minutes played. There we go. How could I? I mean, Danny Ainge, the GOAT, right? If I don't get this next one, I'm going to I'm gonna go Grinch. I'm going to steal all your Christmas. Oh, those, those, what you? Those, <laughs> Those red reverse Grinches you got, I'm coming for those. This guy has to be on the list, Sean Bradley. Yeah, it took you guys a while. He's number three on the list, 984 minutes. Looks like you get to keep your Christmas because his name flashed flashed into my mind. I'm like, this dude only played one year. He's, yes. he's got to be on the list. And he got picked number two after coming back from a mission. He's 7'6". Who doesn't – how can I forget Sean Bradley, the guy with the, the measuring stick uh, poster? How can we forget? Okay, there's one guy left in the top five, but just because it's a little tough, uh, there is one other option as well that I'm going to include. Okay. How does that work, though? If I <laughs> miss number six, how is there another guy that can be in there? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Are they tied? <laughs> nope. Okay. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's go with Michael Smith. I don't know what to do here. I've got a couple names, but – I'm afraid to even mention one of them because they've got a chance to miss the other. Let's go with – I'm only going with this. It's all going to make sense here in a minute. I watched this guy in high school so dang much. Jackson Emery, give it to me! No! Oh, oh, man, I thought you had it. I'll give a hint. So the guy in the top five, uh, I'm not sure you guys are going to – even get him so he he played quite a bit the first three years of his career and then apparently his playing time went down when whiting came in in december he started the first 12 games of his senior season or possibly his junior season and then his playing time kind of went down and then there's still that floating name that we'll get to later is that 
Matt Montague. Yeah! yeah! Yes! Yeah, baby! Let's go. Oh, another heartbreaking, <laughs> that was soul too, crushing. That defeat. was too detailed of a of a, of a cut there, Nate. Uh, instantly, that that Trent Whiting 2001 team. When you brought that up, I'm like, I got it, baby. I don't even know who he is. I've never heard of his name. So Matt Montague was a. He was part of that. He came the first year after the one in 25 team. Passed first guard. Couldn't really shoot much. That was the downside. But he was the assist leader at BYU. He was. He was great and diehard BYU football fan. Shout out to Matt. He's a listener to the show. Uh, I saw him a couple years back at a BYU football game. But yeah, Matt Montague. That's uh, that's a deep cut. Uh, but he was a really good passing guard, like the true essence of a point guard, the the pass first point guard, the BYU version of T.J. McConnell. Yes, that's a great pull. So that last name, I'm just curious if you guys have any guesses who that could be. Nick Emery. It's Nick Emery. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So he's. I want to die because when I was I was debating between Nick and Jackson. Yeah. Because Nick had that freshman performance now against San Francisco. Yep. He had like thirty six. Is that vacated? It's vacated. <laughs> it's That's why he's the not books. there. Otherwise, he would have been number oh, two on the list. Oh, I got it. I see what he's saying now. So he would have okay. been number two, one thousand one hundred thirty two minutes played. Okay. But because his that season's technically vacated, yes. I didn't count it. Nothing's vacated anymore yep. after what's happened the past couple of years in legal rulings. Hey. It's all back on the table. <laughs> it is funny to always think back that uh, a couple cups of butterbeer took away the record books, <laughs> and now we've got quarterbacks <laughs> making millions. That's, that's such a good but comparison. Hey, hey uh, Nick had that Jetta, and he had a couple butterbeers. The sorting hat sorted out a couple wins, and now people are, you know, you're, now we're driving cars onto people's hardwood floors <laughs> and football fields. So, jeez, that one hurts more than many have hurt in a long time, especially that Say freaking floating name. Are you really there? <laughs> ah! We better take a break. I got to compose myself. Merry Christmas to you, you filthy animals. We'll see you on the other side. Where's your Christmas spirit? You just snatch the top five out of my hands. You go to break singing this, and then you bring us back in with this. This is a banger. This, this is a good is, one. I love the Ariana version. No offense, board up, Dave, but we're we're playing the modern hits without <laughs> you, my friend. Who who was the OG of Santa? Tell me. I have no idea. Yeah. I, anything pre nineteen ninety is is eliminated. <laughs> My, my, my wife tries to throw in some Bing Crosby and my aunt skip that. So you're not the Time Life classics? No. Hey, this Christmas on Time Life Christmas album That's for 1999. Me. It's not me. Yeah. It's not, not me one bit. I'm with you there. I'm kind of more the the modern Christmas songs. I've leaned into the pop Christmas music. Give me the Ariana Grande. Just another thing Matt and I have similarities on. Yet we never met each other before 2019. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> Look, this might be the hottest take I'm, I've ever given on the show in our time. There's just no debate for me. Modern music and modern film is much better than its older counterpart. I'm sorry. I'm listening to the Justin Bieber version. I'm not watching a Life is you know, a Wonderful Life or whatever it is. I'm watching new stuff because it's better. It looks better. It's edited better. The scripts are better. It's all better, just like sports. 
Sports today are better. All those rule changes have made sports better. And it's the same with music and film. You I'm not, do you think BYU football is better than it was in the 80s? <laughs> well, there are exceptions to everything. Man. Or was BYU football just playing against a bunch of plumbers? Okay, look, the, the product in the field was better in the 80s. But you can't deny the uniforms are better now. Oh, yeah. They look better. They look crisper. They look... Uh, the crowds, Lavelle Edwards Stadium's better. They look drippy. Yeah. They, they got some drip. With yeah. Christmas being what? Well, what's today, the 23rd? I mean, the days just blur together. Yeah, we've gotten to the point of the calendar where... Day and time just don't matter. <laughs> just, I can't wait till we get to next week where it's December twenty eighth, and we're like, uh, "What? This is, this is Thursday? I thought it was Monday. Like, what are we doing?" Uh, it doesn't make any sort of sense. What time do you let your kids wake up on Christmas morning? Ah, let's do it early. Let's let's get up. Like, let's five a.m. If if they want to get up five a.m., like, I might say hey, we got to go back. But, you know, I'm always game for getting up early. That that was a tradition in, in my household growing up. I mean, Christmas was a big deal in the Harper household growing up as a kid. I, I got up early. I mean, I remember there were years where I go outside and I see these massive reindeer tracks on the ground. And then there's a path up the side of the house of reindeer footprints and I'm just like, what? And it's like up by the, ch- and it's like a path to the chimney. It was crazy, and there was carrots everywhere. And so, yeah, it's it's a, you got to get up early. Like it's it's a fun deal. I was never a kid though that I didn't dare sneak in down. Uh, you did it? Oh, I no. did. I did every year. No. I would wake up. I had to make sure that Santa had visited. No, but I I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't sneak. I was just like, I'm gonna wait. And wow, you have amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing patience. Yeah, I, I waited and um, I couldn't. And uh, you know, I, so I, I get it. So like, I've my kids, I think have I don't know, maybe they've snuck up and uh, snuck down and looked at the the gifts. But you know, I, I think we uh, they want to get up early. We'll we'll get up early. We'll get we'll get. Please after tell it. me you don't let all your kids just tear into those things like wild animals. No, okay, not I'm at work. all. Yeah. It's one gift at a time. Yep, yep. And I'm announcing the tag. And we're going one by one, and we're studying every gift, I and we're like, "Hey, that. let's look at it. Let's 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 examine this thing." It's, I mean, if we don't go at least three hours with gift opening, <laughs> then what are we doing? Yes, thank well, goodness. Well, I'm glad to hear that. When I even see on movies kids ripping into Home their alone. presents, it makes me want to die. Home yes. Alone too. I'm like, I'm sick when they're at the Plaza Hotel, and they're just like. <laughs> Buzz is just like, all right, let's dig in. Like, what is that? I know. What are we doing here? My brother-in-law, my sister got married, uh, you know, before me, and he comes into the family, and he was like, what are you guys doing? Where we're just going one by one. I'm like, uh, excuse me, what do you mean? What do you do? He's like, we just tear open. I go, okay, that's sick. That right. is. <laughs> You're, that's disgusting. I like telling my sister, did you talk to him about this? That's almost a deal breaker. That's this. They should have called it off right then and there. That's unbelievable. Oh, but, uh, no, yeah, one at a time and enjoy it, savor it. It's once a year. I mean, those those are core memories. I mean, totally. I, I, I see some of these TikTok videos of TikTok reel or TikTok videos, Instagram reels of, you know, these influencers talking in a mic with captions to say, parents, 
your kids will never remember any gift that you got them. I'm like, uh, speak for yourself. I remember almost detailed lists of what I got. I like, I went back to the playback as a kid. Like, I'd watch the film and go, oh, man, I was pretty hyped about that lava lamp. Like, that was, all right, that was a pretty good one. Like, I like that lava lamp. You know, I, I, I could go into details of what I got. Absolutely. There's probably, I could rip off seven, eight, or nine just classic moments of, of opening Christmas presents. And go, name one. Oh, easy. Nintendo 64. And oh, this yeah. is a tradition that my dad, I, I can't say it's a tradition per se, but it's something I'm going to carry on with my kids. The big gifts, they'd either be hidden or deceptively wrapped and layered so you would open it and it'd be like, oh, it's a Nike shoebox. Psych! <laughs> it's an iPod! <laughs> so the Nintendo 64, growing up, it was uh, sort of split level, sort of not, but we had like a Christmas tree in like the living room. But there was also like, I don't know if your house is this way growing up, but you had the living TV room, but then you had this awkward like little side living room that there was like a couple chairs in. The home teachers would come and yes. sit in those chairs. Yeah, you yes. had that too? Yep. So we had a Christmas tree <laughs> in both <laughs> spots. So we finished all of the gifts. I just wanted that blasted Nintendo 64 Mario Kart combo. No presents to be found, devastated. And then I hear the, did you check the other Christmas tree? And I'm like, oh, no, I, I didn't run up there. There's a present. <laughs> yes. It's the Nintendo 64. Yes. So to your point, core memories. Yes. It's such a special time of year. I love going all in. I remember having a conversation with my father-in-law. I'm like, do you wish growing up that you had went like further, went more ham and he was like, absolutely. We had ridiculous limits, and I just wish we had went crazy. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. Just make it as fun as you can. I know, look, not everyone has the means to do that, but yeah. make it as enjoyable as you can. That's the goal, and I always look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, being with the with your family and loved ones, it's it's a good time. Like uh, Christmas, I remember I, I you bring up the the other tree. That uh, reminds me, uh, Christmas of 1999, I'm 11, and the PS1 comes out, or at least it was out for a few years, but I was like, that's what I want. Like, I, I'm, I'm leveling up from the Sega. I would love a PS1 somehow. It always centers around video game consoles. And then, uh, hey, wait, I, Mitch, uh, Chelsea, I think there's a, another gift uh, in the other tree. Uh you should open this. Whoa! The PS One. Let's go. So yeah, it's it's cool stuff, and uh, I, I'm uh, very very excited. I, I enjoy doing uh, stuff as a parent now, and it's it's a great time. Hopefully, Santa comes on Monday because uh, it's always a good time. Got to take a break. On the other side, we will get more to BYU football talk. Maybe some other Christmas memories as well. Here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in to KSL News Radio, your legacy home of the BYU Cougars. And the top signee in BYU's 2024 recruiting class is Reiner Swanson, a tight end from Laguna Beach, California. 
Reiner, excited to chat with you, man. And how's uh, this recruiting experience been? And, and are you excited that it's coming to a conclusion? Yeah, the recruiting was super cool. Like, it's super cool that like I got to talk to these big time coaches. Like, I got I got I had the opportunity to go to Alabama, talk to Nick Saban, and go to Texas, talk to um, Coach Sarkeesian, and go to BYU. So yeah. The recruiting was so cool, but I am happy that it's coming to a conclusion. I get to play football for Division One college and just and uh, and make my mark. I guess, yeah. Your offer sheet was incredible as as you laid out some of the schools that you had interactions with. Did you get that same big time feeling around BYU? Because you know Alabama, Saban, sure. I mean that's that sells itself. Like that's that's a big time place. But what was it about BYU? That made you say, "I got to go there over these other places." Well, um, when you're when you, when I was in the when I was in the SEC doing those visits, uh, yeah, it felt like it felt like it, like when I rolled up to Alabama, it felt like Olympus kind of. It was it was crazy, like just talking to Nick Saban, just kind of talking to a like not a god, but <laughs> uh, not a god, obviously, but like a a really cool like it was a really cool moment, but. What got me about BYU was the spirit. Now, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and I I like to think that I'm pretty in tune this in tune with the spirit, and I know what's best for me and what's best for my family, and how I could uh, spread spread the spread the gospel in my faith. And I think I think at BYU it was where I'll grow my testimony most, and uh, hopefully I could uh, make an impact there with my testimony and also they're, they're going to the big 12. They got their, they got their work coming for them and they're, they're getting way better. And I love the coaches so much. I, w- I never felt, I never felt um, the love for the coaches that I do at B- more than I do at BYU. So spirit told me you got to go to BYU and I, I got to obey, you got to obey the Holy spirit. Fair enough. You can't, you can't argue with that at all. When, when do you plan to, I, I'm a, I guess I, sh- I shouldn't assume, but are, are you planning on, on serving a, a mission or what's kind of the timeline for when do you, you plan to enroll at BYU? Heck yeah, I'm going on a mission. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, so I'm going to enroll, I guess, when, yeah, this, when winter semester starts, so I'll practice and then I'll go all the way, all the way through the season. And then when we're done with the season, I'm going to leave right on my mission next January. Cool. So, what went into that? Uh, the thought to maybe play a year before going on a mission. Um, well, I think the original plan was for me to go right on my mission, but I'm still 17, and I turn 18 in uh, June, so I wouldn't be old enough to go right now in January. But um, I also, now that I think about it, I think it's good because I get to play football just. I just want to help the team. I just want to help the team get better before my mission and just have those cool experiences before my mission. Just, yeah, just, just get to know some big time football before I leave and what I, when I, what I should expect, what I should, what I should expect. Sorry. When I come back, you know, Reiner, when, when you committed last summer, uh, since that time, there, there has been some changes to, to BYU's offensive staff, coach Clark, tight end coach, no longer part of the program. Did that, give you any sort of pause or, or make you think, do I still want to go to BYU or is it still I'm following the spirit, I'm moving forward? Or what was kind of your thought process there? 
nah. I mean, yeah, that was, I was like rocked when I saw when I heard my dad told me that Coach Clark got fired. I was like super confused and bummed out because he was my first. He was like the first real coach that like talked to me and um, gave me an offer. And he's really he's really dear to our, dear to our family and to me. So I was really confused when he got fired, and I was super bummed. But uh, that didn't change my my commitment. I but BYU has always been my dream school. I just want I just wanted to take the recruiting visits and see what was out there. And I wasn't I like I knew there wasn't always on it at BYU like mm-hmm. Oregon and Texas. And uh, yeah, those schools those really got me hooked and had me thinking. But when I took my official to BYU, I just knew yeah. There's no, there's no second, there's no second thoughts. Like you got to come here. This is where you're gonna thrive the most. So yeah, when he got fired, I, I was still all in. What uh, you said that BYU was your your dream school? Did you grow up to or grow up going to BYU football games as a kid? No, uh, we, I did not go to any. My first football game was the Baylor game last year, which was like the best night of my life. To be honest, it was so fun. Like, I that was my first ever college football game, and like that atmosphere, it was cra- It was like mind boggling that I was gonna play that next year, in in two years. Like it was like I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do this with all the <laughs> distractions. But yeah, I, I'll I'll adapt. And then my my second visit, I, I was fine. Like you, you get used to it. You get used to the size of the players, and you say, "Oh yeah, I could I could hang with these guys." Like it'll be, it'll be. I'll have a walk in the college room for sure. I'll get rocked, but I'll I'll get the hang of it. You know. What was your first moment that you fell in love with football? Where you kind of a, uh, uh, did you adopt the sport late in your kind of prep career? Like, what's the timeline of when you really started to know that football could be a, a real option for you after high school? Yeah. Um, well, I first, I was always a basketball, baseball kid, and then I showed up. My friend got me to play football. He, I showed up in red vans. I didn't know what, <laughs> what anything was. Like I, I didn't know what a quarterback was. I didn't know what a safety was, or I knew what a linebacker was. My dad was a linebacker, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know anything about football. So I just, I just uh, trusted in the coaches and just did my I just did my part I ran the right routes and just trying to learn the offense and then it slowly it slowly obviously um started to make sense but I think my first my first day where I really like started to love football was the first day in pads I I remember I was practicing with a varsity as a freshman and I was going d-line and for some reason I was just like on fire I was like I I pancaked the center like as a D lineman, and then I, I tackled the running back, and I and I remember, I missed a tackle on the running back, but it was still fun and cool. And I just jumped up, and I said, "Whoa, this is fun!" And my defensive defensive coach said, "Yeah," <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the first that's the first uh, love uh, time I love football, I, I guess. And then uh, yeah, sophomore year after bunch of guys saying you could go you could play some college and i'm like yeah that's cool and whatever happens i'm cool with that so yeah that's pretty cool what, what how old were you when that uh, red vans uh showing up to practice in red vans how old were you on, on that moment um i was 
it was the spring. It was the COVID year, so spring I was fourteen. Gotcha. With the, uh, yeah. I want to ask you too, Reiner. Uh, what do you feel like? I know this is always kind of a awkward question to talk about yourself, but what do you feel are your some of your strengths as you've evolved in your football career? Where where do you feel like you're at your best as a tight end? Um, I see myself as a George Kittle. I don't see myself as like a huge blocking tight end, even though I I would love I really like blocking and I need to get better. I need to get better. In my offense, my high school, we don't do a lot of blocking. So one of the things I'm really excited about doing you is uh, them teaching me how to block, how to be mean in the trenches. So, um, yeah, I think I think my best attribute is is route running. I'd say I'm a I'm a hybrid tight end. So, yeah, that, I'm I'm most excited about catching touchdowns. Can't argue with that. And and I gotta ask too. You had a a pretty cool tweet uh, back in November on, on social media. You, you kind of a message to BYU football recruits. What inspired that message? I, I'm curious because uh, for those that didn't hear see the the tweet, it said something to the effect of BYU football recruits, members of the church are not in and out of Utah. I know you have options. I did too. I know how appealing they are, but we know what a unique place BYU is. There are things we get there that no one else in the country can offer. BYU is home. Let's start a swell of dogs committed to building a dynasty. What inspired that? Well, I I took my visits to Texas and Oregon and a couple and a bunch of other places, but at the end of the day, every every member of the church who knows the spirit, they know how how like warm and like inviting BYU is. They should know that that's a, that's the right. They should know that that's the right place for them. Like I I get I get super bummed when we when when we lose recruits to like Utah or Oregon and. Yeah, all these other places, and I just, I'm just confused. I, I don't know what goes on in their mind, but I just, I just can't imagine. I like a member of the church who loves the gospel wants to have like a great family and great testimony. How could they not want to come to BYU and grow their and grow their testimony, like with coach coaches to support it 100. percent Like we pray, we pray every day, and we just like we have apostles and prophets coming in and out and you get to meet them. So I, I, I just want to be the best recruiter I can and help out the BYU coaches, help out the 2024 class and just gather, gather in the flock, gather, gather the sheep and try to, try to make BYU, try to make BYU uh, get to a big 12 championship eventually. And yeah, I, my dad, me and my dad were, were, we really, we were really big on recruiting and trying to, DM all these players and try to make BYU the best. Well, I appreciate that insight. And and last thing for you, Reiner, I, I saw you had a, an in-home visit with Kalani and Jay Hill. What was that like? And something about Taco Tuesday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad my dad makes some crazy tacos, like carne, carne asada and chicken. That's only on special occasions. Uh, I probably had like 12 tacos <laughs> and Kalani and Jay Hill, I, they probably had like two. They, <laughs> they're good. They're good at watching their weight. I, if I were them, I would be devouring those tacos. I can't. I, I don't have good self control with food. I need to work on that. But uh, yeah, the in home visit was super was super cool. They're like just, they're just good dudes. Like 
when I talk to Nick Saban and some of these other coaches, they they're like, oh, like tough, tough football. But they they just they just love they just love the in the in home visits and uh, they they love BYU so much and their players. So it was it was cool to hang out with them one on one in my house, and uh, we had some we had some good food, and then we had the opportunity to go. To the have you heard of the giving machine? Yes, yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was really cool. We we had a great turnout. We had Doug Jolly, uh, Byron Rex, Isaac Rex, and those coaches come, and it was it was like all the tight ends, and we just we just uh, we talked, and Kalan, we all we all talked on the microphone, and gave, it was a giveaway, tied that jersey, a signed BYU helmet. So yeah. It was a really great turnout. We like apparently broke a record for uh, how many uh, giving machine orders we had, or something. So a couple people did seven, 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 which is insane. Do you know what that is? I don't. So yeah, if you type in seven, seven, seven on the on a giving machine, it's like a sixteen hundred dollars. It buys wow. the whole. It buys the whole uh, row. Wow. So yeah, that was huge for that was huge for the giving machine. So. Yeah, it was like not a lot of head coaches, and then Kalani talked to everyone after, took pictures of them. Like he was the last one there, and not a lot of not a lot of head coaches would do that. So that was that was super cool and really humbling that I had the opportunity to have him in my life and have him as a coach. So yeah, all I can say is BYU freaking rocks. I'm excited. Well, Reiner, we I know Cougar fans are excited to see you down the blue and white next season and then in the years to come after you serve your mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Appreciate the time, Reiner, and uh, enjoy signing day. Any any uh, special activities or plans you and the family have to celebrate signing day? No, we don't really we don't really care. I mean, I mean we care, <laughs> but like I don't I don't think no, I don't think we have anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but well, hopefully we'll go to dinner maybe and Get some, get some grub. Yeah, just get those tacos again. They'll sound, sound delicious. I'll have to razz Kalani exactly. a bit at how he only, only ate two. That's a little yeah, bit discouraging. They, they were really self disciplined. They were really self disciplined. <laughs> I was impressed. They were so, the tacos are so good. <laughs> well, best of luck, uh, Reiner, and uh, hey, best of luck too on the was it the guitar final exam? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm playing. I'm playing over the hills and far away today. That Led Zeppelin. Oh, producer Nate. There we through. go. There you go. We've been asking for this for years. Let's let that vibe a little bit. Oh, yeah. Lay it on me, beeps. All right. I don't care what you think about this guy. This is a 10 out of 10 Christmas rendition. With you. <laughs> Shorty with you. Hey, do you have a, uh, do, you, do you play Christmas undertones when opening gifts at home? Oh, yeah. Is this on the, is Bieber on the? We're finding out more and more Matt and I live the same life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the uh, there, there's a nice little Christmas playlist on yep. Apple Music yes. that I've, I've curated over the years. That yes. uh, It's a lot of pop culture, and it just faintly plays in the background. That was the thing when I was, uh, and sometimes it'll be FM 100, our sibling station here at Bonneville. That was growing up for me. That was it was FM 100. 100 hours of Christmas, FM 100. That's playing in the background. But, you know, Christmas is, is an awesome time. I think in, like, my power rankings of holiday, favorite holidays, 
in a weird way, I feel like I've I've enjoyed July Fourth a lot more than I ever did before because my wife's family has so many traditions around that holiday. But Christmas is pretty awesome. But I, I also say too, the anticipation of Christmas is almost as awesome as the actual day because yeah. once you hit like ten a.m. Yes, there's that euphoria of playing with everything and enjoying and chilling, but then you're like, what's, like, uh, like uh, where do we go from here? Like, <laughs> it's now done. And it's like, go, oh, no, like, so, uh, you know, I, I think the this this day, like the Saturday before Christmas is, is always pretty cool just because there's so much excitement. Everyone's out of school. It's go time. We're re- getting ready. And, and I always think anticipation is almost is half the fun, too. Yeah. I love this particular year maybe more than others when you've got the Sunday Christmas Eve leading into the Monday Christmas. Because Christmas Eve, I don't know how you are, but I do try to aim that a little away from the materials. Okay, so we're the same there. You know, have, you know, dive into the story in the Bible, watch some videos, take it easy. Christmas orange. Yep, absolutely no gift opening on Christmas Eve. Yeah. For me, I, for others, my grandparents, and I think it's sick and nasty. And look, I want them to live as long as they can. But when they pass, they open all for their entire lives any non Santa gift, because Santa only comes on Christmas Day, yeah. right? Was open on Christmas Eve. I'm wow. like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe that. Yeah. So That's- I have to sit through that every year. You know, get the grandpa some nuts, get grandma, I don't know, a TJ Maxx gift card or something. And this shit, I'm like, I don't want to open these. That's what. So, I'm looking forward to moving that out of the way and having Christmas. But it's going to be awesome, you know. For those who are religious, I like going to church on Christmas Eve. It kind of keeps it, yeah, a little more on the Christmas spirit. And then the next day, you get into the fun. We talked before the show. I don't know how the listeners feel. You can text us five seven five zero zero. Jingle all the way. Matt and I are fans. Nate, Huge you, fan. You've never seen it. Dude, Turbo I've, Man! I've never heard of it. Wow. Sinbad. Do you know who Sinbad is? Nope. You know who Phil Hartman is? Nope. <laughs> Matt, we're old. We're old. We're not that old. <laughs> we listen to Justin Bieber. He's old now. He's got throwback hits, Matt. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Justin he, Bieber. We I, were adults when he was a thing. We're still adults. We're not that old. Jingle All the Way is... A lot like another one of my favorite Christmas movies, <laughs> The Polar Express. You and Jeff Grimes. Very polarizing. You either love it. <laughs> if you just believe. That's what we've got to have. Believe in the quarterback yes. position. Oh. If you just believe. I need a trip to the Polar Express <laughs> to, get some be- to get some belief back. Uh, we Ring got- that bell, baby. <laughs> Red's left time. Jingle all the way. You either love it like you and I do because it is so funny. It has so many great. I mean, there's just like the mad shopping dash scene is great. It is a great Christmas movie. It makes me sad that my wife hates it, but yeah. I love it. I do too. Christmas Vacation, do you love that one? 100%. Yeah, that's that, outstanding. That's a that's an all-timer. I love that one. I also love, as far as Christmas movies go, I do like Santa Claus. We talked about this last week with uh, Tim Allen. I just watched it earlier in the week. I love the scene where he rolls in. Huge bee sting. All right, what are you having for lunch? 
I'll have a Caesar salad, no dressing. I'll have a, a warm chocolate chip cookie on Fudge Sunday. Stung by a bee, Scott? <laughs> It's yes. <laughs> a big B. <laughs> He's just in sweats. Yes. Oh, well, guys, it's been a great show. Merry Christmas to everyone out there on listening on KSL News Radio. Merry Christmas to all of Cougar Nation. We always appreciate the sport. I know, uh, I, I feel like I feel confident we can say, speak on, on behalf of this crew here. We love creating BYU content and conversation for all of you out there. We love talking BYU sports, and it's just cool to be another year down and, and you know, to be part of this. We're, we're expecting, you know, to do much more in 2024 and hope everyone has a safe, happy uh, holiday season and Merry Christmas to everyone. We know that we uh, appreciate all of you and uh, hope nothing but the best for all of you. Let's, uh, let's close this out. Have a wonderful evening, a, uh, a fun Christmas Eve, and a Merry Christmas in just a few days. Looking forward to seeing Santa visit each and every single one of you. And we, uh, you know, as Mitch said, blessings to you and your families and Merry Christmas.